welcome back to Pitch, Please. Um, of course, this is, if this is your first time tuning in, I mean, welcome. Hello. Good to have you. Um, or welcome back for those that have been listening and tuning in. We appreciate that. Uh, we are Rebellious PR. We are a full-service public relations agency, of course, headquartered in Portland and Los Angeles. Our goal, you might ask, of course, we are amplifying the stories of diverse companies by telling stories worth hearing. Um, you know, we're bringing raw ideas, y'all. We're bringing fresh insights, some unique expertise, and all through the lens of cultural competency. Um, we are rebellious not only because our clients disrupt industries to create revolutionary work, but also because we are committed to disrupting our own industry with PR done better. We are, of course, the future of PR. So I'm here to help take you through this pod. Welcome. I am Megan Jones. Please head over to our SoundCloud, uh, Rebellious PR. Download us wherever you snag your pods from. Uh, I'm sure we are there. We're on the Spotify. We're on the iTunes. We're on all of the things. Uh, and of course, you can follow our adventures on social media, IG, Twitter, at rebellious.pr. Um, on our show today, of course, our founder and CEO, Evie Smith. Hello. The future is now. I'm like loving this new intro, Megan. <laughs> you know, I'm just, I'm just taking it. <laughs> just taking it there. Uh, and of course, our VP in the house, Rachel Johnston. Hey, y'all. Hey, hey. Um, and of course, our theme this season, right, is all about trailblazers and how they're cutting through the noise. On today's show, we have one of my favorites, Ms. Mickey Carimo. I'm going to sing it a little bit because we were singing at the top of the call. Uh, of course, she, if you don't know who Mickey is, um, you should. And you're about to find out. We're about to take you on this journey. Um, she is the founder and CEO of Superfit Hero, which is a premium activewear line that serves the plus community. Of course, they're doing that by tapping, tapping, tapping. They're doing that by tapping marginalized bodies to create clothes for them in order to create meaningful change in the fashion industry. No big deal. No big deal. Just breaking down walls, you know, doing cool shit. So Mickey, welcome to Pitch Please. Thank you for being here. <laughs> Thank you for having me. I'm super excited to talk with you all. Yes. Yes. Um, we are too. Of course we know you, um, on a, on a personal level, but also like on a, on a working client relationship, love having you on the rebellious team. Um, you know, some of the most notable and disruptive inventions of tomorrow, you know, require change, um, in the way we interpret things today. So in the way we perform tasks in the technologies and resources we have access to. Um, and I, I definitely think that that's something that, you know, super fit hero is doing. I've been loving to see the recent change that y'all have been, um, making, you know, serving the plus community. So, um, I'm really excited, of course, to, yeah, to hear later about that, but Evie, I know you have some burning questions deep down inside that you're just dying to get out. Dying to get out. I mean, well, first of all, Mickey, I mean, I don't know how many years we've known each other, even outside of a working relationship. I mean, it was the aughts, (laughs) you know, like it was a long time ago. I think there was a lot of like different haircuts, a lot of like hitting each other. Uh, I was trying to think about how many times we actually played each other in our roller derby careers. Many times at, at yeah RollerCon we would I, I feel like I faced off against you just about every every year at RollerCon for yeah. many many years. <laughs> it's so feel it always has felt really special to get to work with you in this capacity. But um, for people who aren't super familiar with the Superfit story, why don't you kind of like give us a little bit of background and then like walk us up to like where you guys where you are today? 
Yeah. So I founded Superfit Hero in 2015 with a Kickstarter. Um, I I wasn't new to entrepreneurship at the time, but I was very new to fashion. <laughs> um, I at the time was playing roller derby as as we were just talking about very very competitively and. The experience of playing roller derby was super transformative for me with respect to my relationship to my body and my relationship to fitness and movement. And so I wanted my next startup to be about that. I was really passionate about the intersection of fitness and feminism and how movement can be um, a foundation for confidence building and for just kind of coming to your own within your body and a like fully embodied embodied woman, you know? And I I felt especially at the time that fitness wasn't really being marketed that way. You know, I got I was really angry about, you know, my own hours and hours and countless time spent rooted in diet culture and constantly trying to become smaller. And, and I, I wanted to build a company or, or a business around that. And I wasn't sure out of the gate what that product would be. Um, but I knew I wanted to build a brand that empowered women through movement. And so I did a bunch of research. I, you know, had access at the time to lots and lots of diverse athletes. And so I asked them, you know, what do you need? What products do you need as an athlete? What products are most important to your feeling of confidence in your body? And it really came down to, um, you know, fashion and clothing being really, really important to how you feel in your body every day. And then, you know, specifically fashion for movement. And it became really clear, really obvious to me that there's a huge hole in the market for plus size athletes in particular. And so I launched what at the time was a size inclusive brand, you know, uh, straight size, plus size, both included on Kickstarter um, initially as a test to see if this is something, you know, if this messaging resonates with people, is this something people want? And and it turns out they did. The Kickstarter was successful, we raised $55,000 and then launched the brand online at the end of 2015, November, 2015. It was actually the same weekend that we went and played uh, champs, Rachel, <laughs> uh, the WFTDA champs. So that was a little bit of a busy week for me. <laughs> Just um, sitting into champs, trying to launch a, a business. Yeah, no big deal. No big whoop. <laughs> like, was that... Was that the year that we were in St. Paul, St. Paul, Minneapolis? No. All the, all the cities melt together for me. Um, I, yeah, I feel like it was that year. And I feel like that was like a, that was like a, a really special year when we were all like, really like in that space and like, Oh, that was the year. That was the dream team year. 2015. Yeah. 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 And like what you were building <laughs> felt like it was, it was an extension of some of that magic that we. Oh, it was 100%. I mean, it was a roller derby brand through and through from the beginning. It was like, you know, I mean, I had, I had ideas of it being bigger than that, but I, I, I definitely, it was definitely a roller derby brand when it launched, it was for the roller derby community. It was built by and for fitted on roller derby athletes. I mean, tested in roller derby scenarios, like you know, our products were designed for the roller derby community. Um, and, you know, my thinking was, you know, I have access to this community. Uh, I have access to like a built-in customer community, basically, you know, um, I was at the time pretty high profile in the community, you know, we're on the number four team in the world. And so that was a big part of the decision why I went down the fashion road was like, okay, I have access to 
a community of people who buy these products. Um, and so that was one of the resources I had as a founder was the roller derby community. I knew they would support me and they did. Um, and, you know, having a, a really clear view of who you're creating for is really important, especially in the beginning. Um, and so I was very, very focused on roller derby probably for the first two years. And, and it was, you know, built upon the body positivity that is inherent in the roller derby community. Right. Um, and then, as more athletes started to find us, you know, lots of roller derby athletes also lift weights. They also do CrossFit. They, so we started to sort of naturally expand into other sports. Like, you know, weightlifting is super body positive. There's a, a huge push for, you know, diversity and yoga. And so we started to see our brand growing naturally into other types of movement. And so we started reaching out to influencers in those spaces you know, sending them product, you know, doing Instagram collaborations, that kind of thing, all super organic for the first few years. Um, we didn't spend any money on advertising until probably year three, I think. And then really sort of using that time to figure out like, who is our core customer? What do they want from us? What are we solving for them? Um, and, you know, and then body positivity sort of started to become more mainstream and more brands are getting involved and it's losing a little bit of its teeth as a movement. And, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of debate around that and, and, and why that happened. Um, and then at the end of 2019, um, I was just sort of taking stock of, you know, doing my sort of year end, where are we as a business? Where are we going? Um, and I, and I did probably 35 interviews with our best customers. First, I looked at the data. I'm like, okay, who are our best customers? Who are the people that are coming back again and again? And, and it became very clear very quickly that, you know, our best customers are plus our best customers are two X and three X athletes. And so, um, I set up interviews with 35 or so of our top customers and, and all different sizes, um, and ask like, you know, what are the problems we're solving for you? Like, what is, what is the, your biggest challenge finding active wear that supports your movement practice? Like that's really the main question. And it really, you know, for plus size folks, it's access. It's like, you know, brands don't have my size. If they do have my size, it doesn't fit. It makes me feel like shit about myself. I don't see myself in their marketing. There are no models that look like me. You know, we had these really emotional experiences. People are crying during these calls, telling me that super fit hero changed my life. Like oh. insane, emotional, like really deep conversations I was having with my customers. And then I would talk to our best customers who are like, you know, a size medium. And they're, you know, it's a very different conversation and we're serving them too. And they love us too. And, but you know, they're like, oh, I really like the pockets, you know, or the fabric. <laughs> exactly. Utility reasons. Yeah. 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 It's such and like it's, the difference in the, the customer experience is like a night and day right there. <laughs> night and day. And, and so, and, and that to me, the, 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 that just made it so clear. It's like, what problem do I want to solve? What problem am I, am I excited about solving every day? And like, you know, how can I build a really emotional, necessary experience with my consumer? It, it just became very, very obvious that we should focus a hundred percent on serving that community. That's like been so neglected by every other brand. Yeah, for sure. Do you like, 
Is there an other companies that are either in like the fitness space or, um, in the like fashion space that you feel like they're doing it right too? Um, I just, I feel like from the time where I was making more of celebrity guest appearances on your account, um, we would talk about brands or we would see brands and it just, it felt like a lot of, um, you know, disappointment and frustration with these brands that get a lot of attention, but like ultimately like aren't really doing any kind of net good other than like selling cheap leggings. So like who do you, do you have any crushes on any other brands out there that are doing like this, like the same intensity of work and research that you are? Not in the active space. Uh, I, it's interesting. And I, I think there are plus size brands that are doing great. Like universal standard is a size inclusive brand that I think is really interesting. Um, but even they, even they get some feedback from the plus community that it's not quite there. And I, I think that's just by virtue of the fact that they're making so much so quickly, they're more of a fast fashion brand. And so you're going to, you know, when, when that's your model, I think you're going to have some issues around fit. Um, the active space specifically, we're starting to see more and more brands add more sizes. Even Lululemon just announced that they're, uh, expanding their sizes. And, and that has been, you know, people thought that would never happen. You know, Athleta just announced they're doing, you know, 350 styles in one X through three X. Um, we're seeing lots and lots and lots of these brands, um, like mainstream brands start to address this community. I think the, the difference is I, they're never going to make the plus size consumer their core customer. So right. like what I learned in those interviews is that the problems we're solving for our community are different problems than the ones we're solving for the size mediums and the smalls. And unless you're coming at it from, from that perspective, I think it's always going to just be like an add on to your core business. It's going to, you know, um, Athleta did something interesting with their recent announcement where they did like a training internally, um, like a body positive language, like a body neutral language training to their entire staff. Mm -hmm. I thought that was really impressive. I'm like, okay, somebody at Athleta is really committed to this, right? Somebody at a high level. And I I found that to be really, really interesting. But then they're only offering size one through three X. And so it's like, they're still missing the the piece where they're like actually talking to the plus size consumer and figuring out what she needs. Cause I, you know, just a few conversations in, you would realize that three X is not actually inclusive. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, even if like our, 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 our most popular sizes are two X and three X. Um, you know, but nobody wants to be on the, the edge of the size range. They want to make sure they have options to try larger and smaller. And so, um, yeah, it, it, it's, it's a really interesting time. I'm, I'm excited to see this space growing, you know, I, it's, it's our mission is to provide access. And so I actually am excited to see other brands moving into this space. But I think, I think the core difference is like, who is your core customer and what problem are you solving for that person? Um, as opposed to just, you know, trying to, you know, capitalize on something or, or, or show the diversity in your Instagram that people are demanding. Yeah. That was sort of the other thing is like, I sometimes wonder, um, if these brands are adding, you know, plus sizes because they feel like they have to, um, versus really putting in the work because they want to. Um, and I think that that sort of gesture shows, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, it's like, you're saying it's like, they, they kind of start to do it right, but like, don't really follow through. 
even we were making the same mistake until until we just shifted our size range. We I we had the same assumption, like, oh, we'll just make it for everyone and that'll be great. Mm -hmm. And it turns out that like to actually serve this consumer well, you need to focus on their specific needs from their specific experience. Um, and, you know, straight size folks have had that their entire lives because everything's been made for them. Right. And so, so we don't, so we don't think about it as like a special unique thing that's made just for you, but in reality it is literally everything. Literally yeah. every fashion option in the universe has been made exclusively for the straight size customer. And so, you know, just adding plus sizes onto that is not actually solving the unique needs of the plus size customer. Focusing on the plus size consumer and their unique needs, I, I think, is what's going to sort of make us stand out in the marketplace, but even more importantly, allow us to, to really serve that customer in a deep, meaningful way, you know, like the conversations I had with them at the end of 2019. With, with that, since you are like doing the work of asking yourself, like, what problem are you solving and, and, uh, doing the work of asking the customer what they actually need, um, what has been the response that you've gotten with the pivot? Um, how, how's it going? <laughs> it's been amazing. Um, we were, COVID, you know, really was tough for us. We almost didn't make it through the year. We were planning on announcing this in May of 2020. Uh, and then our summer collection got canceled for, you know, COVID supply chain stuff. And then our factory shut down and we, we, we went through it. So we weren't able to make this announcement until November. Um, and we had to do it as a pre-order because we still didn't have the product in hand, uh, but it was in production and we were, it, we knew it was coming. So we launched it uh, um, in November as a pre-order and um, because 2020 was so challenging for us, we didn't put any advertising against it. It was just all organic. And um, we saw our Instagram and Facebook engagement go up a thousand percent, a thousand percent. Um, when we wow. posted, yeah, That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we posted the images of, of our entire size range and like folks aren't used to seeing, you know, six X, seven X models mm -hmm. wearing active wear and looking amazing and happy and beautiful. And, you know, and it, it and I think it, it's just something that our community has been like really, really needing for a long time. And, and just, just the images, like the response we got was, was incredible. We sold through, um, yeah, I had to do a, a restock on our, on our, like while we were still in pre-order, I had to place another order for restock. Um, so it went really, really well. Um, you know, and, and we've just now hired a new, uh, product manager, um, Carrie Beth Langham, who's amazing. Uh, she's fantastic. Um, and she, you know, her, our job now is to put more stuff out more frequently. Like we, you know, we, we, our collection is quite small at the moment because we kind of had to like get rid of all the old styles and start fresh with our new size range. And so now this year is all about putting more stuff out more frequently, um, and sort of addressing the needs of this customer throughout their whole day, you know? So we'll offer you know, a little bit more athleisure options and stuff we have now is very performance-based, like high compression, uh, the fit is amazing. Like we, we definitely got that right. And so now we're going to build on that and offer, offer pieces for, for, um, for other uses. Yeah. I feel like I, uh, I just kind of like served that one on the silver platter. Cause I know how it's going <laughs> I get to work with you and hear all these wins, <laughs> but it's, um, I, 
I just want to like underscore what you said about the importance of the photos and the imagery, because mm. the, the thing that stood out immediately when we were looking at the photos of the fit models were sending in, um, in the early days of, uh, planning the, the launch was that they, like these were cell phone photos in a lot of cases. Cause we couldn't take, we couldn't do like photo shoots. This is the height of COVID and like everybody in them was glowing and mm-hmm. it was, uh, it was so, it wasn't your like everyday influencer photo that like, you know, they set up the timer and do the thing or have their, you know, partner take their photo, whatever. Like there was like, you could feel through the camera that like the person felt really good in those clothes. Um, yeah. And, and it was a feeling that you got looking at them. And so the response from the community, it's like further validated the importance of those images. Yeah. And the, and the process, the process we went through to get those images, I think are a big part of that. Um, so we worked with Anna Chapman, um, to, to do the launch. She's, um, really influential in the space. Um, she's amazing. And she, she and she really helped us to, um, put together a list, um, a group of, folks we call the fit guides. And so basically, um, you know, we chose influencers, but also folks without a bunch of followers, just, you know, sort of in the fat community on Instagram that we worked with to develop the new sizes, the sixes and the sevens, and to add on to, to the size range we already had, which had gone up to five XL. So we added the six and the seven. And so Anna brought in, um, some really great folks that she knew on Instagram to help us, um, test, not just promote, but also test the fit of those sizes. And so the same people that we fit on and developed the products for then became the influencers that we launched the line with. And so, you know, they had a really, they felt like they were part of the process and they were, you know, like, I mean, we actually, we made, we made clothes to fit their bodies, right. And who gets that experience? And so, Yeah, it was, it was, it was great. They were great. It was really, really fun. We have great relationships now moving forward and we'll hope, hopefully continue working with them. Um, yeah, I, I, you're right, Rachel, those photos, they really are. They're just like cell phone pictures, but they're, they're, they're just fantastic. And, um, and, you know, we're, we are running ads now. So now we, you know, we didn't run any, any ads in the launch. Um, but then we started in January running ads against, against the, um, that collection and the images that are working the best are the cell phone photos. It's the, the photos hmm. that folks took of themselves, you know, cause you know, Facebook optimizes, you put up, you know, all the different creative and then it sort of runs with what's working best. And those cell phone photos of like, you know, just real people wearing our clothing, being happy outdoors are the ones that are, are working really well. People want to see themselves, you know, they want to see themselves represented and, they, and like, you know, looking happy and beautiful and clothes that actually fit. Like, you know, it, it, it's, it sounds like something that they shouldn't, you know, people shouldn't have to ask for, but the reality is it, it didn't exist before. You know, I was like, yeah. gee, what a concept. Oh yeah. <laughs> mm. Totally. Well, um, founder to founder, what keeps you awake at night? Hmm. I feel like we have a window. I feel like this unique moment in time where we are clearly the leader of this space is, um, you know, we're, we're small business. We don't have huge resources like these bigger brands. Um, and so that, yeah, it's, it's a pressure to, to move on this now is Mm -hmm. is what keeps me up. Yep. Yeah. How are you with imposter syndrome? Yeah. 
<laughs> I mean, Jesus. It's like, we. I feel like we tweet about this. <laughs> I swear. Like, I, I think it's gotten so much worse for me during the pandemic, frankly, because I think we collectively tend to like, you know, you go to an event, you hang out with founders, you feel like a founder. You're having, you know... <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> when you're sitting, when you're sitting in your, in your bedroom at your computer, yeah. you know, it's like you can lose sight of your, yeah. It's like, I don't know. I think so much of how we define ourselves is wrapped around who we spend time with and how we spend time. And when you don't spend time with anyone, yeah, <laughs> it can be hard to, to sort of situate yourself in the, in the professional marketplace. Yeah. I talk about it as like, you know, I'm at work all day and I'm like a big deal. And I feel like when I'm out in the community, I feel like a big deal. And then I'm like, I I walk downstairs and I'm like told to empty the dishwasher, (laughs) you know? So it's just like, it's like the year at home has definitely been, um, humbling. (laughs) Yes, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. I I struggle with it a lot more now, Mm -hmm. um, with, without the, the sort of in-person networking opportunities and, and that kind of thing. Um, but building my team has been helpful, like, like hiring people and, and, um, you know, cause we were a two person team for quite some time and you get into the flow of like, you do this and I do that and it gets, you just kind of keep going. And as now that we're sort of growing and hiring, it's, it forces me to put processes around stuff and to delegate more. And so that, that does make, you know, sort of remind me like I'm the CEO, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, so that's, look helpful. at me go. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like being forced to lead makes you feel like a leader, you know, but mm-hmm. yeah. It all comes down to that, that delegation. Um, oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious, you know, you, this, you stated at the top of the podcast, this is not your first time mm-hmm. founding a company being, you know, you're no uh, stranger to being an entrepreneur. I'm curious, um, you know, what other companies or product ideas you had that, that you have not chased after. (laughs) Let's see. That's, I mean, that's funny. There's always, there's so many, right. Um, so when I was, when I was getting ready to do this, like I said, I really wanted to do something fitness movement, feminism, like something that mashes up those interests. And I, I so, so I looked at like opening a gym, uh, you know, and there's like body positive gyms now popping up all over the place. I have a friend who, who runs one in Austin called, uh, liberation barbell or something. And, and every time I see them on Instagram, I'm like, Oh, I wish I'd started that one. You know what I mean? Like how fun would that be? Um, so that was one of the, one I looked at opening a gym. I looked at doing, you know, sort of Spartan race style events. Um, you know, but like more, it was, I actually founded this company. I I created the LLC. It was called field day and it was going to be like field day games, Ooh, like blue team yeah, versus like, red like, team. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I yeah. love this. Yeah. Like, I kind of like, I'm into that. Like, like can, we still, can we still do that? Like one super fit hero selling so much yeah. that you don't have to be at your desk every day. Like, can we do that? I'm very into like an adult 
uh, away camp, like game mm-hmm. sort of scenario. I yeah. personally never got to go to away camp when I was growing up. I, I did day camp, which is like, meh, um, which is, you know, run by your local park. Um, but like an away camp, let's do that. Yeah. There's, the, there's that one, I forget the name of it, where it's like the whole idea is you get off your cell phone for a week and you go stay uh, it's an adult camp. Yeah. Digital I thought, I thought that was kind of, a yeah, thing. yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think that's a great idea. Yeah. The field day thing was, I mean, that was the furthest one I, I, I got the furthest path I went down. Cause I even like created the company, but, um, ultimately didn't do it. <laughs> did you buy the, the GoDaddy? Did you buy the domain name? And I'm like- sure. I think I have fieldday.la is the one that I ended up, I might've let it go by now. Um, I have, I have yeah. another LLC that I started the same time as Rebellious <laughs> called Rebel Skate. <laughs> And I was going to open up, uh, I was going to open up a skate shop in Portland because there, <laughs> oh there wasn't God. one. And it's the largest roller derby community in the world. Yeah. Uh, 500 customers out of the gate, you know, and I, um, it's just the startup costs. I was like, I can do this PR thing. And I started right. both LLCs at the same time, like th- within the same week. Um, and I was like there, I will need X amount of startup to do this, or I can just keep starting up for free right now. Like my internet is what I needed right. for PR. So right. that, that's kind of how this happens. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Well, and roller skating now, I mean, wow, it's just gone bonkers. Are you saying <laughs> I, I made the wrong decision, Mickey? <laughs> no, I think you're doing all right. But yeah, I like, I just forgot. I was like, oh yeah, I do have another LLC. Um, <laughs> I, I too have a secret, uh, second shell company. <laughs> Let's... What am I... One of my favorite Mickey um, companies is uh, uh, like, it's like a story of her being like too far ahead of the curve, I think. Like, (laughs) you know where I'm going with this. I do. (laughs) But like, it was so, it was so brilliant. Will you please tell everyone about Neighbor Goods? So Neighbor Goods is the, is the first company I founded. This was, I, um, I was, very involved in tech startups and, you know, the sort of South by Southwest web 2.0 scene, very, you know, and I was like, Oh, I want it. This is what I want to do. This is who I want to be. Um, and so I founded uh, neighbor goods, which was one of the first um, sharing economy services. Um, we didn't have mobile apps yet. So it was a website <laughs> um, where you could lend and borrow like household goods with your neighbors. So borrow a ladder, lend a power drill, that kind of thing. And it, it was one of these things that was like, it was like at the beginning of, it was right when Airbnb was coming together and, uh, you know, Uber, like I ended up doing like speaking at conferences with the founders of those companies, which is kind of crazy to think about now. Um, but I, it was one of those things that was like a really, really good idea. Everyone's like, oh, it's such a good idea. Why doesn't that exist? Why doesn't that exist? Um, but it, I think it's like, it's what, it's like a good idea in who we, for who we wish we were, not who we actually are. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's like who we actually are is like, oh, it's, you know, it's a lot easier to buy something on Amazon and have it show up in two days than like yeah. having to go through the process of like, meeting your neighbor and when are you going to return it and all of like you know it's like the idea I think ever was like very very interesting and um and there's still I, I hear from people all the time like people trying to reboot this idea you know that want to want to pick my brain about it um it, I yeah mean, I, like now I think that you know if there's anything that this last year right 
uh, has taught us. I feel like a lot more people have been focused on community. And oh, like, totally. Yeah. To know, like who, who can I find that, you know, is within my space and also like shopping small, not buying from Amazon, right. like, you know? Yeah. 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 I like did end up selling that company. Um, that, so that was my first acquisition. <laughs> I, I did. Yeah. Oh, I, sorry. I was just going to say, I remember seeing, um, interviews of you, um, when it launched and it was out there and I was so inspired by you, Mickey. I just felt like, cause like, I felt like we were peers in the sense of like, okay, well we play roller derby together. I don't know how old you are. I figure we're like roughly the same age. Everybody in roller derby is the same age as far as I'm concerned. Um, and it was just, honestly, it was like seeing you out there, like gave me the courage to like start my own thing. Oh my God. Wow. I'm going to (laughs) cry a little bit. I'm just going to mute myself. It's fine. I'm cool. It's cool. Yeah, I, I it's funny thinking back like like I did a lot of public speaking on that and like a, and a lot of press. Um yeah, it's interesting. We we went through periods of having money, not having money. I was able to raise some funds but not from like traditional VCs. Mm-hmm. Um like I got uh foundation money and some like angel money for that project. Yeah, I didn't I think if we were more of like a techie, if we had more of a techie team and maybe some more penises on staff ain't that the way (laughs) and had a little bit more runway to figure it out like these days you you know you have to have a business model you can't really start a company without a business model but back then you didn't but it was very different it was like you have an idea give me some money let's figure it out and like and I we didn't I don't think we ever really raised enough money to have enough time to figure it out um so, but I, I mean, it, yeah, I'm, I'm really proud of what it was. And, and I think, I think we did have an impact on the sort of growth of that industry. Although now, I mean, the gig economy, the sharing economy is basically gone and it's, you know, the gig economy has replaced it. And, you know, for, for me, it was, it was about like community and saving resources. And I think, you know, for the, for the VCs in tech, it's more about, monetizing every little inch of our lives. And, you know, I, I don't, I don't think that's going to go so well for us. <laughs> well, I mean, very clear though, that like the, um, idea that you led with of community has obviously stuck with you. And like, that is very clear, you know, from everything you're doing with Superfit hero, because I mean, yeah, the proof is in the pudding in these conversations that you're having, like, who, what founder of a company is going to spend the time to get on the phone with you and find out how they can better serve you? I don't think that that's a thing in real life, like outside of you. Um, I, I mean, please somebody send me an article or blow up my Twitter on something because I would love to know and I would love to find out. But yeah, I mean, that's very clear that, you know, that's that, that comes through. So it's definitely a small business thing for sure. I don't know that it's a me thing. It's definitely a small business thing. Um, which, which is why I think super fit hero is poised to actually succeed, even though we're up against, you know, these huge billion dollar businesses. I just, I just think we have the time and the capacity to actually have those conversations with our customers. Um, in a way that, you know, Nike's just not going to be able to do, you know, uh, it's, it's a lot harder for, for giant corporations to make changes, um, than it is for small businesses. So. Absolutely. So in the, in the vein of having been a first time founder a few times over, <laughs> um, 
what any advice for for first time founders out there? Anything you you know you feel you wish you knew? I think what I did this time around that has made it more successful is like really taking stock of my personal resources as a founder and using that as a launching point for the business, which Evie, you just said you did too. Like you started a PR company because you had the resources to do it. Right. Yeah. Like I think, I think that was the thing I did. Um, that was smarter this time around. Like I had access to the roller derby community. I had access to the fashion industry in Los Angeles. I had, you know, like, like I knew very clearly what my resources were and what I was good at and, and went from there as opposed to like some big grand world changing vision and then figuring it out later. Yeah. Yeah. I do. I will say like one thing I feel like I'm seeing, I, I, cause you talked a little bit about the old Silicon Valley model of like, have a big grandiose idea, money, please. Um, yeah. <laughs> and I think that, you know, one thing we've seen a little bit, I've seen a little bit in Portland, I think because I'm pretty involved with the startup scene here is like people still kind of operating that way. Um, mm. and women founders operating that way. And it's like, mm. well, number one, honey, like you're a woman, you're going to have to work 10 times harder to get that money. So like you need more than a grandiose idea. Um, but it, it, it feels like it's just like those companies just don't succeed past ideation anymore. Like you have to come in. If you, if you want to get funding, like, Hey, why do you want funding? Like, right, that's the exactly. question I ask a lot that of women. I'm too. like, why not try to build this thing and like make your own money? Like that way you don't owe anything to anybody. Um, but then it's like, if you do want VC funding, um, like you have to bring like a cooked, a cooked pie to the party. Um, so then they want to make a pie order. Otherwise they don't want just a pie recipe anymore. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that that piece also is really, really important is like, how big of a company do you want to run? What is your end game? And then figure out how to fund it. Because like VC funding doesn't work for the vast majority of businesses. Like unless you're building a billion dollar business, it literally makes no sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and you don't need a billion dollar business to be successful. Right. Uh, you know, I, I'm very clear about how big I want my business to get and how, you know, uh, what kind of company I want to run. And like, it's, it's not that, um, and I think it's really important to know like what does success look like for you? Because fundraising is just, is not necessarily where you want to spend your time mm-hmm. and may not actually be beneficial to the business you're trying to build. Yeah. 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 I can also imagine like all the time you're spending, like you said, uh, putting into that where you could actually probably be utilized. All of your time. Yeah. Yeah. Like Mm -hmm. elsewhere and like be building the business. (laughs) Uh, if you you do the, if you, if you do the math, like that is just a lot cheaper than than equity in the end. Right. Like if, if you're, it just depends on what your goals are, but yeah, I like control. So like nobody's going (laughs) to get any part of this. (laughs) (laughs) Nobody is gonna, I'm going to be the only one saying, give me that money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I would rather share m- my success with my team yep. and my employees than with, you know, rich white dudes who don't give a shit about the problems we're trying to solve. They just want their uh, 20, just want their 20 X and they're gonna, yeah. they're gonna be real dicks about getting it too. Correct. Correct. Yeah. And, and, and in a limited amount of time as well, like, you know, you're on their books for five years. And then at that point they're, you know, they're going to force you to, to exit whether you're ready or not. Ooh, I want to make like a, a PSA for all the founders out there of being like, 
don't do it. <laughs> it's not a success metric. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, if you read TechCrunch, you know, you think it is. It's like, yeah. how much funding has this company got? Like, well. Well, and you, you look at, I think like the big news, right? Was like Bumble just IPO'd. Um, and I'm sorry, my eyes rolled so far back in I my know. head. I know. <laughs> I know. You know, a, a lot of people, right, is... As just like reading the back and forth of, you know, everyone's like, oh, look at her, the first, you know, woman in her 30s or something to like have a built 30 or a billion dollar business and go IPO and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But like simultaneously, there's, I don't know, there's a lot of, a lot of feelings around that, but. You got to sell your soul to build a billion dollar business. That's all I'm going to say. I don't care. <laughs> I don't care what your gender is. You sell your soul if you're building a billion dollar business. Yeah. I mean, Yeah. Um, I would agree. Even when she was <laughs> bouncing her baby on her hip, which everybody, you know, lauded her for, I, I think, um, you got feelings. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, but, but to, to your point, Mickey, like the, that success metric is constantly like beaten into everyone's heads. Yeah. Like I've been, you know, I've been turned down by writers before on a, on a piece of funding news because the, funding amount wasn't big enough, right? Like, Mm. you know, because if it's below 5 million, they don't cover it. Or if it's below, you know, like, you know, 2 million, you know, like Mm -hmm. that in and of itself sort of captures, because then I have to go back to this person who's like, you know, we secured half a million dollars in funding. Like this is our like news that we're putting out and that's a big deal for them. And then I have to go back and be like, yeah, the places that publish funding news don't think that this number is big enough. And like, right. that sucks to tell someone because like what they did was really impressive and like they're building something really meaningful and they're probably going to do a lot more with that money than somebody who raises 20 million. A hundred percent. I mean, who do, do we want to live in a world where only options are Amazon and Walmart? I mean, you know, it's like there has to be space for small and medium-sized business you know, it's like, do you want to only eat at the Olive Garden or do you want to go to your, exactly. Or do you want to go to like your local small, you know, mom and pop Italian restaurant? Like, you know, it's really important that like, not only to our economy, but to our culture that we have small and medium sized businesses that are willing to look at things differently and serve niche communities. And, you know, yeah, it's funny. I, 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 don't, I, I see this as a trend. It's like, you know, we're going to have like the giant businesses that try to serve everybody. And then we're yeah. going to have like niche businesses that are solving real problems for people and that have like really emotional connections with their customers. And I would rather be the latter. Yeah. So would we apparently. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, speaking we of that, I can't wait certain. for you. You guys need to hold, hold a, like a gathering for all of your clients because you're putting together this like community of amazing innovators that need to meet each other well, and support each other. <laughs> I, I will tell you, we have some stuff in the works. You must be a mind reader. Um, <laughs> Uh, our five year anniversary, um, or as we're calling it, like our season five, <laughs> season five, uh, <laughs> next month. And so I'm like, check your inbox in a little while. We have some fun stuff planned to like, oh, kind of get people's, um, get people together, um, and share some magic. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. Or the embargo, Evie. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, wait, should I not have said that? No, no you're, fine. you're fine. It's not a secret. Because <laughs> <laughs> I've been asking Rachel this for, for a long time. Yeah, no, we're, we, we definitely have some, as we've been growing, we have some 
things up our sleeve. Your feedback has been brought back to the team. We're doing it. See how quickly we deliver. Look at that. Yeah, look, that was you listening to your customer. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, Well, we are definitely so thankful to have you along for this journey, Mickey. And I really appreciate you joining us today and, you know, just kind of sharing with our audience um, some of your magic and your, your sparkle, as we say here at Rebellious. So, um, yeah, just, you know, it's good. I mean, you guys are a part of the family. Like we, we couldn't, we wouldn't have, we wouldn't have the mission as well-defined if it wasn't for our work with Rachel and your team, frankly. So, so thank you as well. And I'm, yeah. I, I, it's yeah, I'm very grateful. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. We love you. It's so great to have you in our community. Absolutely. Um, and yeah, if you're, if you're wondering where to go find yourself a pair of, um, super fit hero leggings, um, go to superfithero.com. Of course you can follow their adventures, um, on social Superfit hero. And of course, check out those awesome, um, just like candid photos that we were talking about earlier on the pod, check them out. Um, and yeah, we, we absolutely love talking with you, Mickey. Thank you again for being on the podcast today. Team Rach, Eve, love you. That's a short, I don't like calling you Eve, actually. It's like, we got so personal. It's, it's going to be short for Evie, but I don't like it. Um, like, <laughs> eh, eh. Can I just be like, eh. um i'm an emotional response noise yeah yeah. (laughs) um but again thanks everybody for tuning in and listening uh we appreciate you subscribing sharing all of the good things uh my name is megan jones um and thanks for listening to pitch please